0: Wait. Okay. Did you not press record before you started counting? I didn't. Yeah. Um, because I only started. I pressed it just as you said one, and I was like, "Oh my God, we're going." Okay. <laughs> Twinsies. Uh, hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Efa, and I, Kira, read and discuss young adult fiction from the everything's every times Eww. just all it
1: every times everything mostly Ireland. We are trying to do that. <laughs> That would be the everywheres. Every time, mostly Ireland. Um, yeah. And it's October, so it's spooky season. So I'm very
0: happy. <laughs> Big fan of it. This is your natural habitat in the October. It is. Um, I was born in June, but I like September the best. By By October, the leaves are all gone and it's just sad, but... I like the I like the transformation in September.
1: My love for October is a little bit a defensiveness against like seasonal depression where I'm like, Yeah, everything's miserable and that's great. I'm like <laughs> into it. It's
0: fine.
1: I'm wearing an insane amount of eyeliner while we're recording. That's
0: beautiful. That is very spook. I love us. You look very goth and ghoulish.
1: Thank you. Uh, Kira did uh, accuse me before
0: we went on mic of looking like I was surviving a zombie apocalypse. Um, I think I said you were a zombie in a zombie apocalypse. Don't ruin this for me. It is kind of fun. Eva, what book are we doing for
1: spooks? This week, I am telling you about a book called A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. Mm-hmm. It was published in 2011. It won the 2011 Galaxy Children's Book Award, the 2012 Red House Children's Book Award, as well as being shortlisted for the Carnegie Medal and a few other awards. But its Irish connection is that it is written by Patrick Ness, who we've done a pot on before. He is yep. British-American. But the original idea was by Siobhan Dowd, who is an Irish-British woman born to Irish parents, raised in London, who died of breast cancer in 2007 um she published two books posthumously in 2008 and 2009 before this one was published in 2011 and it is about a child dealing with his mother having breast cancer so it's mm. quite relevant um to her life um dad was really really cool she was a humanitarian activist she did a lot of work um for international human rights particularly for incarcerated people and trying to get rid of the death penalty and when she died she made sure all the future um, proceeds from her book sales would be added to a fund that was to improve the literacy skills and promote creative writing opportunities for young people in prison and in juvenile detention
0: she also never
1: wore makeup she never wore makeup, and I I read a really annoying obituary for her in The Guardian where the guy who wrote it mentions that she's like ugly. She's like her un, her lack of dedication to her physical appearance like may have confused some people who knew her as like, you know, a powerful woman doing important things. And I'm like, oh my God,
0: no, just you, I think. just she- you. You can be a powerful woman and not participate in the time sink that is making yourself socially pretty, as opposed to just the prettiness that is already on your face.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If you look on her, like on her Wikipedia page, the picture of her on there is from her wedding, and she is radiant, and she is delighted, and she is not wearing a speck of makeup because she didn't wear makeup. And I love that. That's a fine thing. Um... But yes, I also would be really remiss not to say that it this book has some gorgeous illustrations by Jim Kay. I sent Kira some of them on WhatsApp. They are really beautiful. They are very, very beautiful. Very oh. ominous as well. Um, gorgeous, kind of sketchy, ink sketches. But like, if you just want to look at some amazing art, if you're on your phone listening to a podcast, anyway, Google
0: a monster calls illustrations because they are exquisite. They are gorgeous. Jim Kay is a beautiful illustrator. It's very upsetting because he also illustrates the Harry Potter illustration, illustrated edition. you know that? Yeah, and they're all so gorgeous. And I'm so conflicted. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's the association with J.K. Rowling and my deep distaste for her. Kira's wearing a Hufflepuff shirt as we <laughs> record. I purchased this many, many years ago. I no longer financially support jk rowling in any way as of a year to 18 months ago but i do have a lot of harry potter merchandise from yeah. before those times um, and yeah.
1: anyone who is listening um, <laughs> and wants to not only not support jk rowling but actively fuck over her poisonous ideals there are quite a few good trans charities in the uk you can support um i might link to some of those in the show notes just one or two i believe there's a library in glasgow for and by trans people Um, they have a
0: they have a dublin a dublin group as well yeah do you know what it's
1: called it's just trans library dublin cool um we'll have links to those because trans people trans stories Trans storytellers um, and trans knowledge are all very important things, and unfortunately, none of them are relevant to this book. But um, (laughs) okay, we have a couple of trans books. Um, Yeah, what was your knowledge of this book before I decided to read it for the pod?
0: Um, I didn't have a big in depth knowledge of this book. I know Patrick Ness from his other works, and I know Siobhan Dowd from her other works, Um, and I know that a movie was made of this that had mixed reviews. I know that it's, it's it's kind of fantasy realism, like there's magical parts. Um, the descriptions of it always remind me of Neil Gaiman's Caroline. But mm-hmm. um, I haven't actually read it, which is part of the premise of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know grief plays a big part in this, or like pre-grief. Yeah,
1: yeah, it really does. It's the fear of losing and the... The sorrow and terror of watching someone die, and how many conflicting feelings you can have about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I read this over a long weekend. It was my mom's birthday weekend, and I decided to bring just one book with me. And I started reading it on the train from Dublin. Continued reading it like in the car, in the hotel room. Between like going on walks on the beach. Like when we were shopping. I popped into a cafe for a little while. And read for a bit. And I literally finished it. As I was pulling into the train station. Back in Dublin at the end of the weekend. Now it's not a very long book. Um, I'd say it's aimed at. Like the protagonist is 13. I'd say Mm -hmm. it's aimed at. You know a younger. The younger end of YA. Busy weekend. Read this book
0: through it. It gave me goosebumps. This book nearly made me cry. And you don't cry at books, it is known. I am the crier I've cried
1: at exactly one book ever in my life.
0: <laughs> and it was like one or two tears. Um
1: but I genuinely think if I'd been if I didn't have to like gather my stuff up and run off the train <laughs> right the moment after I closed the ras- the last page, uh I probably would have ended up crying. Um because it is very good and beautiful. And the monster is a good monster. It is a well-created monster, but it is also the real, the real difficult things in this, you know, character's life that is the most upsetting. So I don't really want to go into what happens in the book chronologically, but I've brief bit of context. Um, Connor's thirteen, and he has a lot going on in his life. He's being bullied at school. He's kind of not mm-hmm. friends with the friends he used to have before because uh, he doesn't trust them anymore. Um, so mostly people ignore him Like at school. Teachers don't really hold him to any kind of standards. They're going very easy on him because his mom's sick uh his dad lives in america with his wife and his new baby and doesn't come around very often and whenever he does turn up he calls Connor things like champ and sport and is just very weird and american
0: but, but his mom is really sick between them
1: yeah and his mom is really sick she's so sick she can't really take care of him very much and mm-hmm. he's pulling the weight and he doesn't mind it you know it's been like this for a while whenever she goes in for her treatments She's not well a few days after, um, but the amount of time she's not well has been increasing. How unwell she is when she's unwell is increasing. Like the good times are getting scarcer. It's all, things are just slowly declining. But Mm -hmm. she says she's going to be fine. And she promises she's going to be fine. And, you know, if one medication doesn't work, they'll try another one and that'll be fine. And sure, the last one is actually made from yew trees. And we've got a yew tree out in the garden. And sometimes she'll be like standing at the kitchen sink with a coffee. And she'll just say absently to Connor, like, did you know that's a yew tree out there? Um, and he'll say yeah because she says this all the time she just kind of nods and she feels like she has this friend who she can call on if things get really really tough because the last it... medication is a yew tree and
0: she's friends with a yew tree yeah she
1: she helps. Oh. she's always loved this house she bought it when her husband when she was young and hopeful and you know he's gone but it's the house where she raised her son and it's always had the yew tree there just up on the hill um so things are just stressful. Things are just hard. And then the monster calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and the monster says that Connor called him. And Connor is not impressed. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> You invited me into your home. I did not. Um, I couldn't be here if you didn't. I did not invite you. Well, we're on vampire rules now, kiddo. Yeah. Um. I
1: actually want to just read you a little bit of the monster's introduction. So Connor's like, this is only a dream. Like, I'm dreaming that like a monster who is the tree that I can see up on the hill has transformed into a man and he's walking towards me and he's opened my window and he's talking to me. Who are you then, Connor said. The monster's eyes widened. Who am I, it said, its voice getting louder. Who am I? I have as many names as there are years to time itself, roared the monster. I am Herne the Hunter. I'm Serranos. I am the eternal green man. Who am I? I am the spine that the mountains hang upon. I am the tears that the river cries. I am the lungs that breathe the wind. I am the wolf that kills the stag, the hawk that kills the mouse, the spider that kills the fly. I am the stag, the mouse, and the fly that are eaten. I am the snake of the world devouring its tail. I am everything untamed and untamable. It brought Connor up close to its eye. I am this wild earth, come for you, Connor
0: O'Malley. You look like a tree, Connor said. Children are just non impressible It's ridiculous. You just cannot impress them. He's 13 and he's had a lot going on. He's <laughs> been having some really nasty dreams and honestly the monster in that is even scarier than this monster so it's fine. Does the monster appreciate being called a monster? Um. Or does it know that it is being referred to as a monster?
1: I don't know. It's not really relevant. Um, A big part of this book though is the idea of how roles aren't simple Mm -hmm. um, and you can be both good and bad and you can do, you can be good at one thing and bad at another thing or you can wrong people in one way and be helpful in another way. Um, The monster So the monster comes to tell stories. He says, Connor, I'm going to tell you three stories about times I've walked before. I don't Mm -hmm. walk very often, but I walk when I'm called. And after I've told you the three stories, you're going to tell me your story. Um, Okay. So like Connor's like, what can you do to help me? And the monster's like, I'm going to tell you about times I've helped other people. And a lot of the stories are like... He'll tell a story where it seems like one guy is the good guy, but then the twist is that, you know, you're just hearing it from this person's point of view. And like, while he has done good, he's also done evil. And the monster's job is actually to punish that person or, um, you know, to free the person who like the quote unquote good guy wanted to punish because actually it wasn't fair. Um, And Conor gets really frustrated with these because he's like, just tell me a simple story.
0: Why are you making it so needlessly complicated? When you go to therapy a lot, sometimes you're like very black and white in your thinking. And one of the things that like a therapist might tell you is um, you have to learn to see the colours in between. Um. And so this monster is like the world is not black and white. It is grey and red and orange and green. And you have to see it in its wholeness in order to fully participate and fully see that humans are humans. And that is our greatest. <sighs> it's a challenge. The fact that humans is both like our greatest strength and our greatest weakness. It's humanity. <laughs> I think I've said before that humans are my
1: favourite animals even though they keep doing terrible things to all my other favourite animals yeah. and also each other. Yeah, it's complicated. Mm. This whole book is monster mandated CBT. It is this monster like coming into this grief stricken child's life and saying like, the difficult feelings you're having are okay. Um, the tough things that are happening to you are terrible and it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be scared uh you don't need to punish yourself for feeling difficult feelings because the thing is and this is kind of my low light of this book even though it's a Mm -hmm. necessary conceit is that none of the other adults in his life are telling him these things none of them are his mom keeps saying she's going to be okay and connor kind of knows it's bullshit but
0: she keeps saying it and she's genuinely believing it every time she wouldn't say it if she didn't mean it but and so he falls back into believing her but she's mostly saying it out of hope i assume yeah but she
1: does genuinely believe it and having him believe it helps her believe it
0: and having him to stick around for is helping her stick around but this does not prepare him for the ultimate grief that he will potentially feel if it is not okay. And also, denying reality is very difficult for children. If they see that you are not doing okay, but you keep saying that everything is okay, they'll be like, okay, so this must mean that something is, like, wrong elsewhere, or... You just need to... you said this isn't the problem. you said this isn't the problem, there must be another problem, kind of. Yeah. Um, Children... Are smart. They know more and they see more than we think that they do, and we should treat them with with age appropriateness more information, especially when very serious things that are going to affect them are happening.
1: Yeah, if a child is in a family that is, you know, visited by grief, that child is also grieving. You cannot keep them safe from the loss, you cannot hide it. Having caregivers. Trying and failing to keep them safe during a massive upheaval does
0: doesn't help. Might make yeah. it worse. And uh, it just adds to the uncertainty of what everything of how everything is happening. Like, if if he has a lot of anxieties that his mom is sick and could die, it's very likely that he has a lot of anxieties about what's going to happen to him if in those situations. Like what's gonna happen when it's no longer enough that he Pulls more weight than he ought to have to. What's going to happen if his mom does die? Like, uncertainties are anxiety giving. Yeah. And he does not.
1: For most of the book, he just does not confront that possibility. Like, at one point, his mom is getting sick enough that his granny comes to stay. And he doesn't like his granny very much. She's not like how grannies are meant to be. She's Mm -hmm. like a business lady. She says things that don't make sense, like, 70s, the new 40. And she lives alone and she doesn't cook and she doesn't bake and she has this beautiful house that's bigger than Connor's hat and his mom's house and then eventually his mom gets sicker and his granny says you're gonna have to live with me for a while and she tries to talk to him and be like and you understand you might have to come live with me and he's like yeah until mom comes out of hospital again and she's like yeah you're you're going to have to come live with me and he's you're refusing to confront it. She doesn't really have the relationship with him to bring it up. Um and like the his dad and his school teachers are so similar to this as well, where like Connor will just say, "Yeah, but until man gets better, and all of these adults are just so awkward about like, I can't be the person to tell this kid his mother isn't going to get better. She, I, it's not my job to do that,
0: but no one's doing it. Oh, everyone is negating their responsibilities due to social awkwardness. Yeah. I love it.
1: And to be fair, yeah, maybe his mom should be the one having this conversation. Um, but like, there's no structure anywhere in his life. Like his teachers are letting him get away with not doing homework. Um, because he's just, you know, he's he's in a tough time. Um they're kind of trying to help him deal with not having friends and being bullied but at the same time you know they're not putting a lot of pressure on him
0: because well how could we knowing your situation it's just a whole lot of unhelpful do the lack of consequences mean that he ends up like acting out more in order to like get consequences well sort of because one of the stories the monster tells him is like
1: there was a man who was very invisible and no one paid attention to him. And he called upon me and I helped him get seen. And that's the the implication here is that he fucking destroyed stuff, hurt people, ripped
0: things apart and, you know, um, he would get... At least, at least even if it was negative attention, it was attention. Yeah. Whereas what's happening now is like, you know, Connor's being bullied and like...
1: You know, he's staying out in the schoolyard past when the bell goes, which everyone should get in trouble for. But like the teachers come out and they see he's having a standoff with this boy who's bullying him and they just kind of just rush him into the classroom and he doesn't hand in his assignments and they don't comment on it. And he wants to get punished. He wants to be hurt. And it is a self-harm thing where he just, he feels so bad. He wants to feel worse um, and that kind of brings me to the sidelight which is mm-hmm. this kid who bullies him who's called Harry um, at one point like when a teacher takes him aside and is trying to talk to him about like you know how you're being bullied uh, she says I'm not blind to how Harry works you know a bully with charisma and top marks is still a bully she sighed annoyed He'll probably end up prime minister someday. God help us all. So he's I mean, like,
0: yeah, that is that is politics. Yeah. So Harry's like he's
1: a he's a bully, but like, you know, he's a golden boy. He's like good at sports. He's good at class. Like, comes he's from really, a nice family. family. Comes from a really nice family. Um, and he he has such a weird relationship with connor where we don't know whether he was bullying him back when connor had a lot of friends so connor Mm -hmm. had like a normal amount of friends and then he had a best friend called lily and she grew up with connor their mothers were good friends i think uh you know, when Connor's parents' marriage broke down, like Lily's mother and their, their family kind of just became extended family. They're essentially like cousins or siblings, really. Mm-hmm. But Lily was very upset about Connor's mother being sick. So she told some of her friends um, and then they spread it around the whole school. And now everyone treats Connor weirdly. Um, but Harry pays attention to him now. And we don't, really know if that was a thing at all or if it just wasn't as important because Connor had other relationships but now it's kind of like the only person he isn't invisible to is Harry and Harry's being really terrible to him okay I was honestly kind of expecting Connor's sexuality to come into this book Mm -hmm. um it just doesn't come up as a factor which is fair enough because he's got some stuff happening um, yeah. but, but throughout the book, there's a huge sense of, like, vague shame about him being secretly a terrible person for reasons he doesn't, like, get into. And, like, it does turn out to be related to his mother's illness. It's that he's... Uh, he feels bad for, like, resenting having to do all this extra work because she's sick. He feels bad about not being able to be a regular be a normal kid yeah and so he's resentful about that but then he's beating himself up for feeling that resentment because he's like well my mom's sick i shouldn't be feeling like this it's selfish and i'm a bad
0: person and that's why he's going around hoping someone will punish him for, oh oh the sweet poor child you can have multiple feelings about something just just because like you can just have multiple feelings just because you, it is necessary for you to help. And you can want to help and feel resentful about the fact that you have to help. Both things can be true simultaneously. Yeah. It is... Oh, poor child.
1: In his very darkest moments, he's like, I almost wish she'd just die now because it's so slow
0: and it's so painful. He's very ashamed that, that he wants his mother to die quickly so it's less drawn out the reason the monster doesn't scare him
1: is because there is a worse monster in his head and that is the monster that is him saying god i kind of wish my mom would just die already because she's suffering so much and it's so hard for me and at least if this bit passes there'll be something i can do and there's something i can do but yeah because that shame is so shrouded and unconsulted during so much of the book i kind of thought that he might also be gay
0: <laughs> um, and that he he was like him and harry were having this weird 13-year-old sexual tension yeah and it is still a very weird social tension because mm-hmm. it's like harry
1: is calculating and he's trying to figure out how to make connor suffer the most but connor's like kind of much like how the monster doesn't freak him out connor just has so much on his plate that he's like are you done here like harry makes up these weird rules like he's got a few cronies who back him up when he's bullying people he won't let any of them touch connor mm-hmm. um he's like only i can you, you hit are him my
0: you are my plaything, and i am not willing to share yeah i can show you off but not share Exactly. And
1: he's like, you know, he rips up Connor's homework. He pushes him into hedges. He hits him. He pretends he's gonna hit him to see if he'll flinch and Connor doesn't flinch and he gets slightly annoyed but just moves on to his next next tactic. Eventually, Harry works it out. He comes up to Connor at lunchtime and he's like, I think I figured out what you want. And... I think I know, like, and I'm going to give it to you. And, you know, Connor's kind of like, thank fucking God someone's going to actually beat me up because I'm a terrible person and I deserve it. But Harry just holds out a hand to shake and Connor is, like, weirded out but automatically shakes his hand. And Harry, like, nods and says, I no longer see you. Oh, no. and
0: <laughs> Because he Connor... really needs to be seen.
1: And Connor really needs to be seen. Um, and at this point... The monster has always appeared at 12.07 so it is now 12.07 in the afternoon um, on lunch break and you know Connor runs after Harry and is like no no what are you doing and he like shoves him and Harry just kind of looks around like oh what was that and moves on and uh, the monster appears and he tells Connor, the story I mentioned before about a man who wanted to be invisible and the monster came and helped him not be invisible. But there's actually worse things than being invisible. And we jump cut to, like, Connor in the principal's office and the principal's kind of, like, just blank with confusion. And she's like, I don't know how one boy can do so much Damage and Connor's like, I didn't do it, the monster did it. And the principal's like, no, there's witnesses of teachers and whole classes in the middle of the lunch hall. You like you picked him up and threw him across
0: the room. You threw furniture at him. Harry's in a hospital. Like Okay. Okay. I'm willing to believe that the, the monster is a separate entity from from Connor. Um, Because this is, like, fantasy realism. But because no one else can see him, everyone else is like... From everyone else's point of view, this is Connor having that mom lifting a a truck off their baby Mm -hmm. situation. Oh, oh, that's But it's throwing tables at your nemesis instead. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But, so, you know, Connor's still messed up um his mom's really sick he's been living with his granny for a while uh his dad's come over from america and connor's like why are you over from america it's fine why are you here we don't need you go back at this point still no one will tell him that his mother is dying Mm -hmm. and the principal kind of looks at him with understanding and is like but how could i punish you for this (sighs) with everything you're going through
0: we'll figure something else out we'll oh and oh Harry's parents are threatening to press charges, but then
1: they don't because they heard about Connor's situation and that Harry had been being so hard on him.
0: Oh, so, like, they, they're they not pressing charges because it will look bad on their family and their son and still there are... like I also want to be understanding to Connor's situation, but I'm like, children need consequences in order to become grown-ups and in order yeah. to, like view the world as a place that makes sense and in order to feel safe they must know that like A means B means C and if you don't like enforce the rules then nothing means anything Um, and you can enforce the rules with in a kind and understanding manner to to their individual situations. Yeah. Like Connor doesn't need necessarily to be sued for beating up a kid, but he
1: does need someone to sit him down and ask him what happened in school today. Uh, Do you have any homework? Okay. You should probably do your homework. I'm going to make dinner. Or do you want to help me make dinner? We're going to have this. No, I know you'd like to have that, but we need to
0: have some vegetables. You're like, he needs that. And if you put a kid in hospital there needs to be a consequence. And it mm-hmm. do- again, it doesn't need to be being sued by the other kid's family. But something like, you can't have playtime. You can't, like, there must be some sort of A equals B. It's or just- even very practically, we're going to arrange you to go to a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. You can't go out at recess and a psychologist has to talk to you. Because also, I'm shocked that social services aren't involved. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, this is not how it would happen. But I'm also like, this is how it happens because cracks within systems. And also sometimes if the story went perfectly with like the ideal reality of of how a situation should go, then there would be no story. People don't care. Like if you have one parent and
1: that person is on paper taking care of you, you're not. Like,
0: social services are not going to be involved because there is way worse things they should be investigating. It's that the school should be contacting social services because she he's not being cared for and the hospital should be contacting social services. The hospital should be, like, talking to the mom and being like, we see that you are struggling with your kid, you have to be struggling because, like, you're going through all these chemo things and therefore, like, we want to put more, we want to put things in place in order to support your kid. But I also know that ireland and the uk do not have like properly funded services for these things and so if people say that everything is fine it could well be that they believe them because they just don't have the money to the world is not great at times um and at very least they're like when
1: i'm not doing well you know i've been sicker between treatments so my mom's coming to stay to help me look after connor yeah and you know actually i'm going to be in hospital for a while so connor's staying with my mom yeah here's her house she's She's well like, put together. She's a responsible on- person. But she doesn't have a, an emotional relationship with Connor at all. They don't get on.
0: Yeah, like, on paper, it does look like it's working. But the reality is that it isn't. And someone from the school should probably be stepping up. Um, Like, even within the libraries, there is an onus on me if I see that something is not right. And I cannot believe that no one in the school is... Is, has that onus and feels like it is time to say something especially after the harry incident yeah but yeah this is fiction and that's not necessarily how novels always work so and the story kind of resolves very quickly about
1: after the harry incident so that's probably why it doesn't could be actually why it have a fallout like he probably did get a referral to a child psychologist but you know that takes a few months yeah so I'm going to go into my highlight now, which is cool. based around, actually the care Connor in is and isn't getting. Um, and it's that the second story the monster tells is about healing. And how the yew is a plant of healing, and it's a story about how you know once upon a time a man wanted to use the yew to heal some people. Um, the local pastor wouldn't let him. Um, his kids, got um, sick, and the pastor abandoned his faith and begged this medicine healer to heal his kids, and the, and the. The apothecary, the healing man, said, I can't, they're they're too far gone. Um, and the monster tears apart this man's house, the the priest's house, because he had used his faith and his position of power in the community to lie to people about his beliefs and about what they should believe. And he made people not go to the apothecary when the apothecary could have helped them and then as soon as he had a personal issue that the apothecary could help with he turned his back on all these beliefs which he was meant to be holding for himself and for the community Mm -hmm. and so you know the the monster terraces house apart and connor is like hell yeah um, like I said, the monster only comes around at 12.07. Uh, Connor comes home from school. The house is empty because it's always empty because his granny is basically never leaving the hospital. Um, and he goes into the fancy, fancy living room, which has like this beautiful old clock that is that his granny talks about bringing on to Antiques Roadshow sometime. And isn't it so beautiful? And she loves this clock. And he forces the hands of it round until it's 1207 because he's just mm-hmm. so sick of, like, it's chiming and it's bonging and it freezes and the hands fall off and the monster comes and tells this story and then he's like, do you want to help destroy the pastor's house with me? And Connor's like, yes. Yeah. And so they're in this monster's dreamscape and they're tearing down walls and they're, you know, breaking windows and smashing things. And Connor comes too and the monster's Mm -hmm. gone. And he's in his granny's fancy, fancy living room and everything is shattered, except for one case of fancy China things. Mm -hmm. At which point he hears the key in the lock and his granny comes in and she's like, hey Connor, how's school? I'm thinking of getting Indian for takeaway this evening or something
0: like that. And she freezes standing in place yeah, her her room has been, and all of her very expensive things have been destroyed. It's like a lifetime of collecting and some of them are heirlooms. Yeah. And it's just
1: a really gorgeous bit where like Connor is frozen and he's like, oh God, is she going to hit me? Oh God, what's going to happen? Oh God, am I going to get punished for this? What is going to happen? And he's freaking out and she's just standing there. And then eventually she just unfreezes and like strides with great purpose into the room. And he like scrambles away because he thinks she's going to hit him. And instead she like gets the last cabinet that's upright with all these delicate china things into it. And she just thumps it onto the ground, pulls it forward, makes sure everything in it is completely smashed. Like kicks it a few times and then she just screams like furiously like one long angry scream and then she just like
0: deflates and walks out of the room um okay that's my highlight for the whole book you have to yeah she is also grieving yeah she might not be the perfect caregiver for for connor but like she is also grieving the future loss of her her own daughter for whom Mm -hmm. she seems to care a great deal for um yeah i i'm with her
1: i think the reason i like this scene very much is also kind of a theme of the book right at the very end obviously connor's mother is so close to death um and he tells the monster his story and the story is that he is afraid of the bad thoughts that he has about his man dying and the monster like does cbt and is like you know thoughts are just thoughts you can't define yourself by what you think because you're going to contradict yourself a hundred times a day you Mm -hmm. have to face the truth as it exists and you have to deal with it and you know when his mother is actually sitting in a bed, kind of the last conversation we see her have with Connor is her saying like, it's okay to be angry. Mm -hmm. It is okay to be mad and sad and have difficult emotions. Um, If you need to break things, break them good and hard. And if in a few years, you feel guilty for being so angry, and you feel bad for not being able to say the things that you felt you should have said to me, like, I want you to know that I know. All the things you want to say that you can't say. Like, I know. I already know. And you don't have to say it if you can't or if you don't want to or if you're not ready. I know. I love you. It's all right. And it's That's so good. It's such a, That's like, a it's good the conversation parenting. she needed to
0: have with him six months ago. She did. She needed to have that conversation with him a really long time ago. I'm glad that she did eventually have it. um and like you can have like you don't have to have the this is our final conversation conversation before it's going to be your final conversation mm-hmm. but I feel like you should have a conversation where you're like things are bad and I'm hoping that everything's going to be okay but there is a chance that they won't be and you might feel these emotions while they are happening mm-hmm. um but I'm glad that she did have this conversation. Yeah. There's it reminds me of a very similar scene from an episode of Grey's Anatomy. But okay. Of course it does. Anything that happens in a hospital reminds me of Grey's Anatomy, so Mostly I feel like this does this does achieve your goal of making me more interested in reading it because I have seen it on my shelf, um, on the shelves quite a lot, and it does every so often like pull at me a little and I've always Left it go. I have a physical like, oh, copy of maybe it. Maybe I do want to read it more. Um, so you've achieved that goal. Yeah. Um, I want to be. I want to be in Connor's head more. Um, it's so good, Kira. He's a shitty thirteen-year-old. I love a shitty 13-year-old that I don't have to meet in person.
1: A monster who is, like, the spine that the mountains hang upon comes to visit him. This monster who walks only every few generations is like, I am here to bring healing. And Connor's like, you're not as scary as other monsters. I don't
0: give a shit about you. It's great. Oh, Connor, your brain is broken. Because mm-hmm. they haven't given you any mental health supports. I just... I just want to advocate for gr- greater, greater mental health support for children and greater access to service, social services when they are needed. Um, but also I'm like, don't be calling social services just because you're a racist, you know? <laughs> I have complex feelings about this.
1: And another thing I would definitely say that, like death is always hard. Death is never easy. But mm-hmm. part of the problem and really you can't expect a 13 year old to have like a measured response to his mother dying but you know our society is very bad with death it's very bad with children grieving it's very bad for preparing people for grief it's like there's certain people who think you know you shouldn't tell kids about death you shouldn't let them know about what death is like until they're a certain age at which death will visit their lives in an appropriate environment and then it is okay for them to learn that oh granny's gone but like that's stupid because death doesn't wait until you're old enough to deal
0: with it to happen to you. And Um, and also it doesn't really matter what age you are if you've not prepared properly then it can be traumatizing regardless and honestly even if you are prepared for it it can be traumatizing because death is just like that yeah it is so
1: the loss of something and someone important to you and that is gonna be difficult but the amount of difficult it will be and your ability to deal with that can be mediated by acknowledging that death is a thing and that it is a possibility because that's what people fail to do for connor throughout this whole book and uh fucks him up
0: i I have lots of feelings for poor connor poor lads um yeah i think i am interested in reading this book now after listening to this this is a heavy episode, Eva. Mm. It's a heavy episode. We should we should do a joke at the end, but I don't know any jokes. If you do want a joke, I wrote a little mm-hmm. song.
1: Go on, tell us the song. So it's a, it's an original composition of mine. So like I will take your notes, but please be gentle. Mhm. Let's talk about death, baby. <laughs> Let's talk about you and me,
0: succumbing to the crumbling of our mortal bodies. Let's talk about death. I'm not sure that that is an original composition, but I did love it. <laughs> I'm just going to move, move past that. Our next book for November um, will be back in two weeks. And I'm going to be reading Pess by Akawake Imenzi who I apologize if I have butchered her name. She This is her first YA book. She usually writes books for adults. Um, I'm really excited about it. And it also features monsters not being monsters, um, okay. much in the way that your monster wasn't necessarily a monster. Um, it's real good. Um, and it's I'm really excited about it. That's all I'm, I'm going to say, because I'm going to do a whole episode about it very, very soon. Very good. Yeah, cool. Um, so I guess that's the end of our spooky season. Um, I mean, it's the end of our spooky season, but our next book does also feature a monster. So Monsters are always welcome. They're
1: always seasonal. <laughs> I think it's time to sign off then. Thank you for potting with me, Kira. Dear uh, you listeners, of... if you have any thoughts on this book, this episode, or other books we could cover for future episodes, you can find us on social media. We are at Forever YA Pod on Twitter and Patreon and Goodreads and on Instagram we are at Forever YA Podcast Odd One Out.
0: Shout out to our Patreons who are supporting us throughout this, and if you want to support us on Patreon, then you can do so by going to patreoncom pod. And if you can't afford money,
1: uh, reviews are pretty good currency. Uh, Like, yeah, you can leave us a review on whatever pod-catching platform you use. You can also, like, tweet at us if you enjoyed this. Or if you're not on the social medias, you can just, you know, while we're all trying to limit our social circles in this quarantine times, you can just annoy your housemates about (laughs) this great podcast. You should play it out loud when you're making dinner. And then when they're like, what is that? You can say, it's Forever YA Pod.
0: You should download it um, and you should download it to their phone (laughs) steal steal people's phones disinfect them download our pod and then hand them back and you can be like you're welcome i improved your phone in two ways yeah uh you gotta you gotta keep safe during these pandemic times that's all folks Bye.
1: But the
0: podcast where we review books. Hey, the outro music has happened and you're still here. I think you want to follow us on Twitter.
1: Yeah, you can find us there at ForeverYA Pod.
0: And on Instagram at ForeverYA Pod. You
1: can also <laughs> email us at ForeverYA Pod. And if you really, really like what you're hearing, you can contribute to our Patreon, which you can find at YA Pod. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. We love you. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.